episode, I'll be talking about the masterpiece classic adaptation of Northanger Abbey from 2007, starring Felicity Jones as Catherine Moreland and J.J. Field as Henry Tilney. I'm planning to do something a little different than last week's episode. So instead of doing kind of a commentary track where I'm watching the movie and talking over it about different things, which does leave some time for silence and kind of, I think, works best if you're watching along with it. Instead, I'm planning to do more of just a talk-through commentary where I'm talking about the movie, but I won't be while I am watching the movie, which might make it a little bit shorter. Um, there won't be as much, hopefully, blank space. And it'll be more of a commentary about the movie as opposed to a commentary track that is designed to be watched with the movie. I'll definitely be interested to hear what you guys think about which way you prefer to do these adaptations. Um, I won't have another adaptation for a while, but it'll be interesting to know what you guys think of whether you like that kind of commentary track version or this version where you're just kind of talking about the movie love to hear feedback on what works, what doesn't, what you like, what you don't like, and just general things about Austin or Northanger Abbey that you'd want to comment or talk about, or things in the movie that you think I've missed or mis misrepresented, misunderstood, things you like that I don't like, all those sorts of things. Get in contact. My email is imolcorner at gmail.com. That's in my own little corner. I am I am olcorner at gmail.com. And let's get to it. So to start the movie, I'm the first thing I want to talk about is the opening credits. They have the names flashing and kind of this cursive writing. And the music behind kind of reminds me of Haunted Mansion from Disneyland. It's kind of spooky orchestral music. I'm actually really enjoying. In comparison to the 1986 adaptation, I so far, even though this is just the first song, the first opening credits, the music I'm liking so much more than the weird, like, smooth jazz thing that they had going on in the 1986 version, which I found very disjointed, was not a pro fan. But this music, I think, actually works. It's kind of spooky. It's orchestral. Maybe almost Adam's Family orchestral. Or, like I said, Haunted Mansion. There's a spooky quality to it. Which I think when you're talking about Northanger Abbey and trying to spoof a gothic, gothic sort of feel works. So I'm only into those initial credits right now. But I'm already here for it. And I like that piece. I really enjoy this opening. So we've got the narrator just kind of talking over clips of Catherine's young life. And it's an exact... It's text taken directly from the novel about how no one who had ever seen Catherine Moreland in her infancy would have supposed her born to be a heroine. And goes on through more of that. It's not the whole bit. So the whole first chapter kind of goes along in that fashion. And they definitely cut pieces out of it. But the language that they do use does seem to be word for word taken out of that first chapter. Which I approve of. I love when they keep the exact wording in these adaptations. Because 
Jane Austen writes beautifully and she has this beautiful language so I love when they actually keep it so I really enjoy that they kept that kind of introduction from the book and is read kind of over top as a narration directly for this opening of the movie and it's over the pictures of starting with the baby getting baptized baby Catherine being baptized and then walking home with her three older brothers. Well, the baby, she's being held as a baby with three three brothers walking behind. So it gives you that information that she's the fourth child with three brothers already without actually flat out saying it. You're just visually seeing the family. Um, and then they it's they walk behind a tree and you see that years have passed because now their mom is, they're still walking home with mom holding a baby, but now there's like eight kids instead of just the four. So time is passing, she's getting older, and they have the whole part about her liking to play cricket and liking to play, I guess they're calling them kind of boys games and being boisterous and whatnot, um, and watching her play with her siblings, and then watching her turn into a teenager who wants to go read novels, but she's still playing cricket and playing kind of roughly with her siblings, which I think flows beautifully with that first chapter of the book, so I'm a huge fan and very open to this opening. I really like how they've done this version of the opening in that I feel like it's very true to the feel I got from that first chapter of reading the book and the explanation of the family. It's obviously briefer. It does not go into all the detail of it, but I think it's very faithful to the feel and I love that they actually are using exact language, including at the end of it, the parents saying that, oh, she looks, she really looks rather pretty today, or almost pretty today, or however the language is, but it's a really faithful way to open it, and I hope they stay this faithful to the book. I really like that they're play, they're kind of paying homage to the actual language of Austen, and I think it's a very beautiful opening so far, and so we shall continue. And then it goes directly into her reading this gothic novel, and you hear her reading the text of the novel and you see a dream sequence where she is the main character being dragged about in the novel. Now they did do dream sequences in the last version and the last adaptation I talked about last week from 1986. In my opinion, so far, this first dream sequence is a little more successful than those in just that it's actually following along with her reading from an from a book so it's her imagining herself as the heroine of this specific book as opposed to kind of dream sequences that don't seem to have any connection to anything else which is how I felt they were in the 1986 version I didn't feel the connection this one felt like it was a connection to a specific book that she's reading and she's daydreaming about in this current moment so we'll have to see if they are if this is a continued theme, that they continue to do these dream sequences, um, and if I have the same reaction to it. But so far, this first dream sequence, I have a better reaction to than the dream sequences of the 86 version. And I'm going to keep comparing the two because these are the only two I've got. So I'm comparing the two adaptations and to the book. And then she gets called away by her, a couple of her siblings to come meet Mr. and Mrs. Allen. And we get a very brief scene to meet Mr. and Mrs. Allen and get the invitation to go to Bath, which is very good. And they keep in the line. The narrator comes back to say that, you know, if 
adventures do not meet a young woman in her own home in her own home village she must search uh, seek them abroad which i again love love when they keep those sorts of lines and i am enjoying that there's a narrator in this to actually talk about these and have these lines because these lines in the book are often from a narrator there's not a specific person saying them and i think it works here to have like a narrator talk over which is not something they did in the 86 version so when they did keep those lines like they had that line about seeking adventure but they gave it to mrs allen instead of the narrator I'm not, and i think it worked fine to have mrs allen say it in the 86 version but i also enjoyed this version where they have a narration kind of over top using that line so i think so far i think that this narration is working well it's good and then now they're in the carriage they're following along with the carriage and mr allen is asleep and Catherine is having a grand time going to bath. And right away we have another dream sequence, which feels very similar to what they were doing in the 86 version, where Catherine keeps having these, you know, morbid dreams brought on by the Gothic novels. This time of highwaymen are, you know, have shot the driver of the carriage and are bringing people in and fighting with Mr. Allen. And she's getting dragged away by them. And she's got this weird smile on her face because she's, you know, into this whole excitement. So it's similar to the 86 version, again, with the dream sequence. Again, with this one, they have it going from a specific passage she's reading in a book, which I do like that at least connective tissue to make it have a little bit more meaning and sense than the way they were doing it in the 86 version. I'm still... I'll be honest, not a huge fan of this whole dream sequence thing. It's a way for them to add some drama and some violence and things to a book that really doesn't have any of that. So they're, it's able to put in like a fight sequence and things. So maybe they think that that adds something to it. I'm not sure that I agree that it does, that we need that. In the book, all of this is kind of just talked about without fully showing. I mean, there's no, I don't believe anything in the book where they really go into detail about what is in these Gothic novels that Catherine's reading about other than it's horrid. Um, I guess there is one part where she talks about, you know, there's going to be a skeleton or something, but we don't go into detail about like highwaymen and like fight scenes and things. And I don't know. I feel like they are adding these dream sequences in because they feel like they need that to make this interesting. And I don't think I agree that we do need it to make this interesting. I think it could be interesting without that. But at the same time, the fact that they are at least have, giving it that connective tissue of starting the dream sequence with Catherine reading a specific book and a sequence in her book about high women coming or somebody coming to grab her out of a carriage at least makes it feel more connected to the story and less out of place so I do prefer this version still with I'm only on my second dream sequence and I'm assuming there will be more if they're going to follow the theme of what they did in the 86 version where there were many of these dream sequences um, so far I think that they are more of these first two are more connected and are better achieve some sort of goal but I'm still not quite sold on their efficacy or their need to be here. 
So we'll have to see as we get more of them and more into the story if I agree with the idea that these dream sequences are actually necessary to the story. I'm not 100% sold, but I do find them to be more helpful in this version. And after the dream sequence, they arrive in Bath, find their new lodgings in Bath. And there's a little piece that's added in that I don't think is from the books of two men walk by Catherine as she's kind of goggling around at the house in the streets and saying, there's a little peach right for the plucking. It's pretty gross. Um, I guess it's to try and show us that we're in the city now and there are gross people here, maybe? Which is very different from this idyllic little village that Catherine's from. That, you know, now there are people who are not so great. But I just found that moment to be pretty gross. And I think you're supposed to because Catherine looks very uncomfortable about it and runs inside after that happens. But again, I'm kind of wondering what is the purpose of that line? Is it just to show that... Men can be gross, or which I think everybody kind of knows. Um, I, I, I am again questioning kind of the purpose of why was that necessary or thought necessary to be added. I don't think I quite get it. And it may just be that I am a stickler, if you haven't noticed yet, for exactly what was in the book. And I don't believe that line to be in the book or that to have happened in a way that Catherine at least saw or heard. Um... So it's whenever there's something that they've put in to the movie that's not in the book, I always like question of exactly what do they think at what do they think this adds to the story that Jane Austen didn't have or needed for the story to make sense. And I don't I don't get why that line and those men walking by was thought to be necessary. But we'll see. And then we have the scene, which is pulled directly from the book, though I think the language is a little different. They don't quite use the exact conversation that Jane Austen writes. But there's a funny little line here of Mr. Allen saying that money must be spent because Mrs. Allen says that they can't go out until they have gotten new clothes to wear in Bath, which is similar to a conversation that's had in the book book like the effect of it is the same mrs allen says they have to do it but i don't believe they're using the exact same like verbiage of the conversation part of it i think is that they make it a little bit briefer than it was in the book but it's very much the same intent and then they have a scene which i find rather amusing showing mrs allen and Catherine getting in the carriage after being in a shop and then being piled up with boxes from all the I guess shopkeepers, people who are working, I'm assuming these are employees of the shop that they were just in, who are bringing a bunch of boxes with them that get just kind of cover them in the carriage. And you end up with Catherine with boxes on her lap as they're being carted off by the horses. And it's just a funny, cute little scene. I like it. And see, this is something that we don't actually see in the book. We just have the conversation saying they're going to go get clothes. Jane Austen doesn't describe it and I think in a in a book that makes perfect sense not to describe it we don't need to a description of them wandering around shops but it's something that now we've got this extra scene of them getting all these boxes into the carriage where I do feel like this adds something it's adds something to like the world feel and picturesque 
ness of the movie. So this is something that is a little extra and different that wasn't necessarily in the book, though was implied that it's going to happen in the book, that I do think actually adds something to the movie. I don't know if that's a little fickle or hypocritical of me of just I like the scene better, but I do really like, I find the scene to be funny where they're stacking all the boxes onto their laps in the carriage. And we move directly on into the scene where they're getting ready for their first ball in bath, which is again directly out of the book. This scene happens. The language is slightly different, but they, um, we have Mr. Allen saying that Catherine looks just as she ought, which in the book is left to Mrs. Allen and her maid to say. And I think one of the things I will say overall so far is Mr. Allen seems a little bit more friendly and talkative so far they're giving him more lines than i think he had in the book in the book i think he's more quiet and grumpy whereas here he seems more affable and talkative and he's kind of joking with his wife especially in this scene in a way that i at least don't really remember him doing in the book but i think that also makes sense in that especially in these early scenes i don't think we get a lot of the conversation we get more of a narration that a conversation happened with specific lines pulled out Whereas now in the movie, you actually are watching the characters do these things. So it's a little different. And so we get to see a little bit more of Mr. Allen having a character. And I will admit it to being a little different than the way I was interpreting his character to be. But I don't think it's completely out of line of what the text could imply. It's just not what was in my head. Um, and like in this case, we have Mr. Allen teasing them about being late, saying like, I have high hopes of us getting to the rooms by midnight. Whereas in the book, it just has the narrator saying that they were there so late that the rooms were already crowded. And so I think that that's something that makes sense to put it into a line that a character actually says um, to give us that context that they are late without the narrator having to come in and saying, they're late this evening, which doesn't make as much sense in this movie adaptation as it does in a book to have the narrator coming in and out quite that often. So I think it works here. Then Mrs. Allen and Catherine are going into the ball. And in the book, it makes it very clear that they're pushing through bodies and it's super crowded. And so that is something that I think I complained about last week in the 1986 version that it just didn't feel as crowded as the book has made it seem. But as they're pushing their way into the ballroom here, I think the 2007 version has done a much better job of giving me that crowded feel of them, like pushing their way through the crowd. They do, I, I am enjoying this version of the crowd better. Though they do have another weird place where this creepy guy says, pardon me, miss, in a way that I think is supposed to be kind of smarmy as he's like rubbing up against Catherine because it's so crowded. Which uh, makes me uncomfortable, but does make sense in the scene. And I do think that they do a very good job of showing this crowdedness that Austin makes so clear in the book. And that's even to the point of not really being able to see the dancers. They have a shot where they're watch you're watching the dancers over like, it's a man in a red coat, so I'm assuming a soldier's shoulder. And it really conveys that like perspective of not really being able to see and how crowded the room is. So I think they did a good job with that. And they run over to the tea room. And again, they do a good job of showing that 
Catherine is very uncomfortable and Mrs. Allen doesn't seem to notice. Although she says all the right things, her actions are not showing her to be as uncomfortable in the situation as Catherine is. As they get into the tea room and are sitting down at a table with people they do not know and getting like weird looks from those people for having sat with them. Catherine is very clearly uncomfortable and Mrs. Allen is very clearly not really getting it, which I think is pretty true to the feel of what this scene was like in the book. And I always want to be true to the feel of the book. One thing I notice that I'm not sure you would notice if you were watching this for the first time, and I will point out here that I have watched this movie through one time before, and I'm now watching again, but there are, you see Miss Thorpe and her brother Mr. Thorpe at the ball here, and we haven't met them yet. So this is definitely earlier than they were introduced in the book, and they haven't been introduced yet. You're just seeing them in the background. Um, but I do think you're supposed to notice them. They're noticeably in the background, even though you don't know who they are yet, um, which doesn't really fit in with the timeline from the book in that Mr. Thorpe shouldn't be in town yet for sure. And Isabella, I don't think, probably wouldn't be at the balls yet. She's either not in town yet on this day. I think from, from my my timeline, I don't think she's in town yet either but even if she were it would be like her first night in town maybe um i just think it's odd that she that isabella miss thorpe and her brother john thorpe are both at the ball here and like kind of staring at Catherine and talking about her it seems like they're kind of talking about her behind her back sort of thing staring at her um not sure why that is or what's up with the timeline of why they're both already in Bath, which doesn't fit in with the timeline from the book for them to have been at this ball. I'd just like to notice these incongruent little pieces, but they're both already in Bath in this version and at this first ball. And then we leave the tea room and run into Mr. Tilney. So this is something very similar to what was done in the 86 version. And I think makes sense is that we are meeting Mr. Tilney at this first ball instead of having to wait till the second ball in the book. Um, so they are getting an introduction much sooner. And it's similar in that in the 86 version, I think they literally bump into Mr. Tilney when they first meet him, and that's what happens here. Um, Mr. Tilney bumps into Mrs. Th Mrs. Allen, and then they have their conversation, which is directly out of the book about muslins and gowns which is so cute and I love this little conversation and I very much enjoy that they kept it in this version as an adaptation as well. And then Mr. Allen goes and finds Mr. King, the master of ceremonies person to come and introduce him officially, which is a super cute little moment that he gets himself introduced, which could have happened in the book. I suppose they don't really explain how, the Master of Ceremonies introduces Catherine and Mr. Tilney. Um, but it is definitely this Master of Ceremony who it does the introduction at that second ball. But this time it makes it in the movie very clear that Henry has gone and requested the introduction. Which is cute. I think it's not exactly, again, f perfect from the book, exactly what happened. But in the book it doesn't really explain why it was that introduction took place or how it took place. So this gives us more specific reason to it that Henry 
is being super sweet and cute and specifically asking for that introduction. So I like it. And then he's very flirty afterwards, which I also enjoy. And he asks her to dance and it's super sweet. So they're just kind of combining this first and second ball, I guess. So we've got that first chunk where they're at the ball, where they're all nervous and don't know anyone. And then they meet Mr. Tilney at this first ball. Which is slightly different from the way it goes in the book again. But nothing, no crazy difference. I think it makes sense in how you'd do a movie versus a book and the timelines and how much time you have and different things. Condensing those two events together, I think, does make sense in this instance. So I'm okay with it. And they do a cute little country dance. I always enjoy the dancing in these films, these like line dances, country dances that they do. I think they're very cute and sweet. Kind of wish we still danced like that. I think I'd have a lot of fun doing these sorts of country dances. Um, so that's super sweet as well. And uh, always a highlight to me in these Jane Austen adaptations. I like watching the dancing. Although I will say that now that I'm saying that out loud, which I still think to be true, I did not particularly notice the dancing in the last last week's episode. Not that I remember speaking about. I don't have clear images in my mind of much of the dancing. So I don't know what that says about the dancing from last time, but maybe I didn't notice it as being quite so sweet. This This dance I'm noticing is very skippy, very bouncy. They're like skipping around in circles and it looks very sweet and childlike and cute. I don't know. I like it. I think it fits very well for Catherine. And they proceed then during the dance to have a conversation, which is almost exactly from the book taken out where he has his, where Mr. Tilney has his teasing little banter about how he hasn't been doing his duty as a partner and asking her how long she's been in Bath and whether she's been to the play or the concert and all of that. And the only real difference in this conversation is that her answer is no to everything. She hasn't been to the concert or the play, where in the book she already has because she's been there longer by the time she meets Mr. Tilney. But because of this kind of truncated time, this is her first ball, her first like event in Bath where she meets Mr. Tilney. So her answer is no, she hasn't done any of that. But beyond that, the conversation is still like a very a highlight to me of this first meeting with Mr. Tilney is this conversation, which I think... And the book takes place in the tea room instead of during the dance, but I like it during the dance too. And it's such a cute little flirty conversation. And I, it just is such a nice little showcase of Mr. Tilney's um, conversation and his personality that he's having this little joke and playing with the conventions of conversation. It's just so sweet. It's one of my favorite little scenes between them. Though again here in the dance, you see Mr. Thorpe in the background kind of creepily staring. Um, which I'm not quite sure why we need that. And again, breaks with the timeline from the book because Mr. Thorpe should not be in town yet. But it's kind of odd. I don't quite get the why Mr. Thorpe is creeping on Catherine, who he has not met yet, in this ball. I assume, again, it's supposed to let us kind of know that he already knows who she is maybe because we do know that he is friends with her brother from the book so we haven't met him yet the brother Catherine's brother hasn't made an appearance yet in this so I'm not sure I'm trying to figure out why 
Mr. Thorpe is there. And his sister, Isabella, was definitely there earlier when they were in the tea room, laughing at them. But now in this section, he's, he's back in the ball, and he's by himself. I don't see his sister. And he's just kind of staring creepily at Catherine through the crowd while she's dancing. It's awkward and weird. And a little off-putting, especially to come directly after such a cute little sweet scene with Catherine and Henry Tilney. I don't quite like the change in mood and tone that comes with him being there creepily staring. So I, I, I'm not sure why he's there or what we're supposed to take from the fact that he's there, why he's added to the scene. So far, I don't think the Thorps are adding anything to, by being in this scene and laughing and being kind of obnoxious in the background. So I don't quite get why they've been added when they were not in either of the first two balls in the book that we have combined into this one event. So we shall see if I'm proved wrong in a little bit, if it makes more sense, but I don't yet to get why they are here or why he is creeping on Catherine. <laughs> and then there's an additional scene in a carriage ride home with Mr. and Mrs. Allen and Catherine after this ball where Mr. Allen kind of warns Catherine that there are scoundrels in Bath and adventurers and to be careful, which I don't believe is in the book that he, you know, warns her about that sort of thing. But is sort of foreshadowing, I suppose, the relationship she's going to have with the Thorpe family, which I assume she will be introduced to very soon. Mm. And then also gives her the intelligence of what he's found from found out about Mr. Tilney, that he's a clergyman. And I thought that was interesting that there's a little, that Catherine makes a little face when she said, when he says that Henry Tilney is a clergyman and he's like, I suppose you prefer to be him to be a brigand. Um, I just thought that was really cute and funny. Again, I don't think that's in the book that like she had any advert adverse reaction to the fact that he's a clergyman. Um, but the fact that they're kind of playing up, this idea that she'd be more into the bad boys and not a clergyman, I think is kind of funny, if not quite true to the book. And I don't think that it was anything that like lasted long. Um, but it was a funny little moment that they had that she kind of was like, oh, he's a clergyman? Okay, fine. Um, and I also liked that she had this little line about not being that interested in Henry because he's quite grown up and he couldn't have thought of me like that. And, you know, same thing when he says that Thorpe, who's creeping on her in the ball, when Henry Tilney tells her that Mr. Thorpe just likes what he sees and, or thinks that, you know, so implying that he's looking at her because he thinks she's pretty and she's all surprised and can't understand that. So it's just a slightly different way than they do it in the book. But I do think that it helps to give that same feeling of pointing out the way I feel like the first few chapters in the book, like, are neon signs at you that this is a naively young girl who doesn't get what's going on here. Um, they don't quite have the same neon glow to it, so to say, from the book, but I do think that this scene there, if anything, maybe that is why Thorpe is there, is just to be that foreshadowing of showing how innocent she is, and then for Mr. Allen to have that line about watching out for adventurers and scoundrels, which I suppose we're going to say that Mr. Thorpe is. Um, but I don't know. I'm still not sold on why Mr. Thorpe was at the ball 
I don't think that she needed to have seen him yet. I don't think that he added much to it. So, but that carriage ride home where she's got that weird little face when she finds out that Mr. Tilney is a clergyman, I just think it's funny. <laughs> and she gets home, writes in her journal, which is something that, you know, Mr. Tilney had flirtingly teased her about. So that's cute. Before she goes to bed and has this dream sequence where... <laughs> Mr. Thorpe and Mr. Tilney are having some sort of sword fight over her and it's clear that Mr. Tilney is the one protecting her and Mr. Thorpe is coming to try and like steal her and then she leans up against this tree and has like almost an orgasmic smile about it. <sighs> I I mean I guess I get it so she likes Tilney and she doesn't like Thorpe. Fine but uh I will submit that I still think these dream sequences so far are more successful than the 86 version, but I'm still not 100% sold that these dream sequences are necessary <laughs> to the plot or that we need them to understand what's going on. I like them better in this version, but I'm still not 100% sold on them. And when she's woken from the dream the next morning, out walking on the streets of Bath, we meet Mrs. Thorpe and... Her three daughters, the eldest of whom is Isabella. And we get the younger two's names right away, which we don't in the book. Though I do think we learn their names eventually. It's interesting, though, because in this version, Mrs. Thorpe obviously is glomming on to Catherine as opposed to Mrs. Allen. So in the book, it's, I think, pretty clear that... She is friends with Mrs. Allen from way back when, and they do mention that here, that, oh, my old school friend, Mrs. Allen. But Mrs. Allen seems to, in her introduction, is much more specific about wanting to meet Miss Moreland because she knows her brother, James, who visited them at Christmas. So it's just a slightly different take on the emphasis of it, whereas I feel like the book emphasized at first this connection between Mrs. Thorpe and Mrs. Allen. And then they realized that there was Miss Moreland there. This one is making it more clear that Mrs. Thorpe's initial interest is, is with Catherine as opposed to Mrs. Allen. And that connection to Mrs. Allen is more trifling and not as important as that connection to the Morelands. So I think that's, it's kind of putting the emphasis on that relationship to the Morelands which I think makes sense with where the plot goes later. Um, but it's a little different than the way that I feel like it's emphasized in the book. And then Isabella and Catherine are, of course, besties immediately, and they go off to the library to get to the mysteries of Udolfo, which, right on, pretty right on brand from the book. I think that works pretty well. And I think this scene is funny that Isabella keeps whispering things in Catherine's ears that are inappropriate. Um, so first about some something from the mysteries of Udolpho, and then about Lord Byron, who is a well-known rake, who obviously did something, you know, seduced somebody or something. And that's the scandal. And then saying that he's here in Bath. Oh my goodness. And I think that this scene in the library does help to show that immediate connection and 
that they are immediate best friends in a way that I think the 86 version I complained a little bit about that they didn't get that time to show the friendship whereas here even though they've only had this like this is their second scene so they meet in the street and then they go to the library um, so they haven't we don't see a lot of screen time of them yet but this library scene really helps to convey that friendship aspect very quickly so I think that that was very successful in this that we've I've already kind of bought into okay these two are going to be good friends and are laughing and giggling together and then they go to the pump room and are looking for Mr. Tilney's name on the book and she's saying oh no I guess he must have left Bath so that that's something that's again directly from the book that she meets him one night and then he seems to be gone so that's something that they cut from the 86 version the fact that he was there and then gone and then back again so it seems like that that is back into this 2007 version. So they do seem to be having more of that plot in there. And there is also a leading line from Isabella at in the library where she says that she's so she knows somebody who will be glad to hear that he's not my Mr. Tilney, according to Catherine, which is obviously, you know, hinting at her brother being interested in Catherine. So Mr. Thorpe being interested in Catherine. But Catherine does completely doesn't get it. And I don't think that that's a line. That's not a line from the book specifically. And especially in the book at this point, Mr. Thorpe isn't in town yet. So wouldn't have noticed that or been able to say like, oh, my brother be interested in you because he wouldn't have seen her yet. But it does have the feel of a lot of their conversations from the book where things often go over Catherine's head that Miss Thorpe says because she's talking in a way that Catherine doesn't really understand and that line helps to kind of show us that as well so bring in that innocence and lack of understanding that Catherine sometimes has for these sorts of conversations which is a good thing I think not necessarily for Catherine is it a good thing but it's a good thing in that this adaptation keeps that true from the book but what they do add now is that Isabella is kind of spreading bad rumors about the Tilneys saying that the whole family is very bad which is not something I, that is from the book that you know Isabella told her so that's interesting that they've decided to add kind of lies to Catherine about the Tilneys from the get-go and saying that the oldest brother is as bad as Lord Byron, which means I'm assuming a seducer. Um, so that's interesting that they're bringing in from Isabella saying that her brother told her all this stuff about how awful the Tilneys are. Which could be something that Isabella believes, but could also be something that she doesn't believe, but that she wants to say so that she's trying to get Catherine to like her brother, Mr. Thorpe even though she hasn't met him yet in this version. But it's something that, again, feels truthful to the book, faithful to the book, even if it's not an exact conversation in that, in the book, she's definitely trying to push that relationship at this point. And then there's also a thing where they're leaving the pump room and these two young men are like, she's making flirty eyes with them, Isabella is, and then they follow from the room and she's all pretending like she doesn't she's not into it but definitely is into it which is again something that's well this exact thing I don't think happened 
it's very faithful to the feeling of what was going on in the book the whole time where Isabella is flirting with everyone around her all the time. We've got some very flirty eyes with all the men she sees. So very faithful interpretation of that. But it gives them a chance to do something that is in the book where they're chasing some young men down the street. Well, Isabella is following some young men down the street and Catherine doesn't realize that they are following some young men down the street. And then they get stopped on the street by all these carriages going by. So they're able to get that scene, which is where they meet for the first time Mr. Thorpe and Mr. Moreland, Catherine's and Isabella's brothers, as they come up on their carriage. And we get that scene here where both brothers show up in their little carriage and come over to say hi. And this doesn't quite make sense to me because it sounds like James has just arrived in Bath with Mr. Thorpe, but we saw Mr. Thorpe at the ball a couple days ago, so he was already in town. So I don't know if he, some for some reason, went back to Oxford, picked James up, and brought him back to Bath. I'm a little confused by this particular moment where they're showing up on the in their carriage in Bath because they make it seem like James has just arrived in town. But Mr. Thorpe, we know, has been in town for a while now. So I'm a little confused on why they showed up on this carriage together, unless maybe... Yeah, I don't get why they just showed up on this carriage together. That part I'm a little confused about. Because in the book, they show up in the carriage together because they both are just arriving in town right then. But in this moment, we know that James is just arriving, but Mr. Thorpe is not. So I don't, I don't quite get it. But it does allow us to have that same carriage scene, which is directly out of the book. And we get to see Mr. Thorpe say damn it a couple times, which is out of the book as well and showing kind of his crassness. And we get to see him asking to take her on a drive, which she does seem to want to do, though she's not sure that's quite proper, and ask her to dance which we see Mr. Thorpe do in the book, both of these things. So other than the fact that I'm not sure why James and Mr. Thorpe are showing up together in a carriage, if Mr. Thorpe has already been in town, the scene is pretty accurate to the book. And then, of course, we've got, we go straight into the next ball where Catherine and Mr. Thorpe are dancing. So this definitely happens in the book, although we are skipping the part where Mr. Thorpe is a jerk about it and makes her sit waiting for 10 minutes. So we're skipping that jerkiness of behavior and going straight to the dance. And we also see that Isabella and James are dancing, which definitely is what happened in the book as well. And then we have the conversation that is a conversation that Mr. Thorpe and... Catherine have, but I believe they have it in the carriage ride in the book. So they've moved that conversation about Udolpho to the ballroom instead. It is a very shortened version of the conversation, but we do get the little hypo hypocritical statement of John Thorpe that he never reads novels, though he did just read The Monk, which is a novel, just a very crass one. But it all is happening at the ball in this dance instead of in the carriage ride, which has not happened yet. Though I believe in the book they have the carriage ride first and then their first dance at the ball. So I'm not sure when that carriage ride is happening or if maybe they've cut that first carriage ride. But we shall see. 
And then at the same bath, we the same ball in bath, <laughs> we see Mr. Tilney again, this time with his sister, which is correct from the book, although she meets Mr. Tilney again before her dance with Mr. Thorpe, because Mr. Thorpe is off being a jerk and not dancing with her. So we've skipped that part and we're just meeting them after that first dance. And we're also getting that line from Mr. Thorpe where he says, we're going to jig it again. And instead of her saying, no, I don't want to dance and going away, um, she just doesn't answer him or doesn't seem to hear him because she's so transfixed on seeing Mr. Tilney come in. And here's something I do not like that they did is that she sees him walking up with his sister on his arm, who she hasn't been introduced to yet. And she very clearly is shocked and a little upset to see him with this woman on his arm who he's so close to and he's like whispering in her ear. So it's very clear that they know each other well. And then he introduces her as his sister and she like visibly relaxes and like, oh, good. Your sister. Oh, good. It's not your wife or something. Um, which in the book, Jane Austen is very clear about the fact that Catherine immediately assumes that the woman on his arm is his sister when he walks up. So for her to have this weird reaction where she's like, oh, good, I'm so relieved it's your sister, doesn't make sense with that with that assumption. So they're having Catherine jump to the assumption that Jane Austen very clearly tells us that she does not have in the book. And I don't... I don't get why it's important to change that. So I think I've already said, if we're going to change something, I want it to make sense and be a reason why it's important to have changed it. And I don't get why we need to change that from the book to have her be all concerned and then relieved to find out it's his sister. When in the book, she very obviously and quickly understands that it's his sister on his arm. So I'm not quite happy with that little change, though it is. It's minor, but I am doing a podcast about this, so I'm going to nitpick. If you don't like nitpicking, you probably have stopped listening to this quite some time ago. And she goes off and has her conversation with Miss Tilney after the dance there. Um, so they're talking, and all of that is something that does happen in the book, though in the book it happens, I believe, when she meets Miss Tilney again in the pump room later. So we are just, again, kind of condensing where these conversations are happening. But this is where she finds out that. So maybe that conversation happened before the ball then. When is the conversation? Yes, I believe so. This this conversation happens after the ball, like a couple days later when they meet in the pump room. But this conversation does, I think, does happen. It's just in the pump room where Catherine talks about how Henry dances so well and is very amusing. And it's very clear to Miss Tilney that Catherine's got a crush on Mr. Tilney. And they're also compressing us here with a little bit where she's finding out about General Tilney. Because she looks across the room and asks who Mr. Tilney's talking to. And it's his father, General Tilney. Which she doesn't actually find out who General Tilney is, I think, until they she dances with Henry. Which would be at the next ball. Not this ball. But the one after. So in the timeline of the book, she sees them briefly at this ball. She goes to do some stuff with the Thorpes. She meets Miss Tilney at the pump room. And then they have another ball where she meets Henry and dances with Henry. And that's where she sees the general talk to Henry in the dance. So this is kind of moving the timeline around a little bit. 
But all these aspects do happen in the book. And after her conversation with Miss Tilney, Isabella comes up and drags her away to hear something. And you get this sweet little moment here where Henry Tilney shows up with three, they look like little ice creams, I don't know, desserts of some kind. And he gives a little look at his sister, like, what are you going to do? He's got three of them. And now there's only two people here to eat them because he got one for Catherine and she walked away. And it's so little, it's very sweet. And this is after Catherine and Isabella have set up that they're going to go for a walk the next day. But it's a super sweet little moment that is not in the book, but very much feels correct, you know, to the feeling of the book. So I will allow it because I think it's really cute and I like it. Um, you're seeing some of my hypocrisy come out here because if I like it, I'll allow it. And if I don't like it, then it's then it's awful to have gone away from the text. Um, I admit it. I am not completely consistent in all my opinions. Sorry. But I do like that little moment because I don't think it takes anything away from anything that we know from the book or textually. And it's just cute. So I like that. And it also gives us a little presentation of Isabella being a little possessive of Catherine and not liking the fact that she's having this new friendship with the Tilneys. And then we have the next day, the moment when Mr. Thorpe convinces Catherine to ditch the Tilneys when they're supposed to go on their country walk. And this is something I think very important to the plot and to your understanding of Mr. and Miss Tilney which was deleted from the 1986 version, so I'm glad that it's here. And actually, I think I said this when I was doing the 1986 version, that I felt like they cut, this, they cut the second carriage ride instead of the first, and it would, I said I think they should have cut the first one instead of the second, because that one made more sense. And this is what they've done here. I am, uh, I don't know, projecting into the future, but that's what they have done here. In this version of it, they have cut that first one before she's promised anything to the Tilneys. And instead of doing the carriage ride, going cutting straight to the second one where she is breaking off an engagement with the Tilneys to go. Now, what is different here is that they've cut out the rainstorm. So in the book, it has been raining all morning. And so it's now an hour past when the Tilneys were supposed to show up. And she's not 100% sure that the Tilneys will actually come because it's all muddy now and might not be good for a walk. And that's why she's more easily convinced to go. In the mo this movie version, they're going in a slightly different direction where they, instead of just Mr. Thorpe coming in to convince her, we've got Mr. Thorpe, Miss Thorpe, and her brother James are all on the stairs trying to convince her to go with them on this ride. And Miss Thorpe is telling her that well mr thorpe tells her the same lie that he says in the book where that mr and miss tilney are off in a carriage and they are all halfway to wick rock you know they're going off somewhere and Catherine's very upset that they would ditch her like that without sending word or anything only this time it's even more inexplicable because the rain was didn't happen so there's no reason for them not to come at all so she's upset by that but she is showing her naivete by being by believing him and not thinking that he would just flat out lie to her about this and we also see that same like naive character in her brother who also even though he was with thorpe and 
must, you would think, would realize that he didn't see Mr. Tilney anywhere. Um, apparently, again, also just flat out believes that Mr. Tilney or Mr. Thorpe couldn't be lying about this or wouldn't, you know, just flat out lie to her face. So he believes it. And Miss Thorpe has this saccharine, sweet, stupid line where she's saying, where she is saying that, you know, people lie because Mr. Thorpe has just explained that he saw the Tilneys leaving in their carriage and Catherine is very confused and can't understand why they would, you know, do this. And it's Miss Thorpe who tells her that, you know, in this strange world, people lie and you, but we are your true friends. We keep your, our promises. And it's this really overly sweet, like, speech that is kind of gross and is over the top. And I think as a viewer, even if you didn't know the story, you are understanding that this is a little over the top and ridiculous and too much. But Catherine doesn't because she's Catherine. And so she doesn't get that Isabella or Mr. Thorpe might be lying to her. There's nothing in that that she gets from this conversation. Poor little Catherine. And so they convince her to go on the ride and ditch the Tilneys. But they do it in a slightly different way from the book. And they have a little bit more convincing from both James and Isabella as opposed to just from Mr. Thorpe. And... I don't think it's the best, I'll be honest. I'm not in love with this edition. I don't think... I think I'm going back to my thoughts from some of the earlier editions of, like, Mr. Thorpe being in the ballroom. I don't get why we need this edition. I don't get why we have cut out the rain, unless there was some reason that it was hard to do rain. Um, on this day, when they wanted to have a nice sunny day, they didn't want to have to deal with the mud or the rain, so they just didn't talk about it. But... Just having the rain and them come late makes more sense than them coming and then convincing Catherine that even though the Tilneys are not late, like, it just pushes the bounds of the believability, I think. It makes more sense to me the way it, Austin wrote it, where it was raining all morning, it's now an hour past the time the Tilneys were supposed to show up, and she's not sure whether they're going to show up or not because it's so muddy, and therefore, she's able to be convinced to go. Instead, in this movie version, it's a beautiful sunny day. There's no reason for Catherine to think they won't come. And all indications are that it's very close to the time they're supposed to be there. They're not late yet. And they're still able to talk her into going on this trip. And it's the same lie that the Tilneys have left and are off on a carriage ride without her. But I think it's I don't know. I'm torn because I think it's less believable that Catherine should buy this lie. But if she does buy the lie, it makes her even more naive than I thought she was. So maybe she does buy the lie. I don't know. I have I have mixed feelings. I'm not sold on this, but I'm not 100%. No, I don't like it. I don't know. I'm kind of in the middle. I I think I can kind of see where they're going, but I think I would prefer the original. So... <clears throat> That's where I'm coming down on it anyway. 
but we'll see how Catherine enjoys her ride. And as the ride begins, Mr. Thorpe almost runs over Mr. Allen, which seems like an odd addition. I suppose in the book we do have that he's like a reckless driver, and we see that in the um, 86 adaptation as well, that he's kind of a reckless driver of his horse and wants to show off. So I guess that is that fits from the book that he would be showing off to Catherine by being a bit of a reckless driver and almost running Mr. Allen over. Um, but I don't believe that he almost runs Mr. Allen over in the book. So that's a little weird addition. But it does fit with Thorpe's character and it's funny. So in this moment, I will allow it. And it also brings allows him to bring up the conversation about Mr. Allen in a more organic way. And we get to have this conversation about how wealthy Mr. Allen is and whether Catherine will get any money from him. That is from the book. And then we have the stomach dropping scene from the book that I think is so important um, that I was so upset that they left out of the 86 version is we've got the scene where they drive by the Tilneys in the carriage and she says stop stop now that's where they are but then we go a little bit off script because she's yelling at him telling him to stop why did you deceive me and then they have this conversation about how they he did it that yes he's admitting he lied to her which he never does in the book so that's weird but he is admitting that yes i wasn't quite straight with you but I did it for James and my sister because they needed a chaperone. They can't go by themselves. I mean, which is true, but that doesn't mean that that's Catherine's problem. Um, and she says it's also for you because, you know, I, I don't like you spending time with the Tilneys. They've got a really bad reputation. Something very odd about the mother's death. So this is changing. Again, adding this thing where the Thorpes are saying bad things about the Tilneys, which is not really... From the book, I mean, there is a little bit where Catherine says that they're too stuck up or something. But there's none of this like, oh, they've got a bad reputation. Something's weird about that family. Something's weird about the mother's death. Like that mother's death being funky or possibly murder is all in Catherine's head when she's in at the Abbey. It's not something that the Thorpes bring up to her in the book. So it's odd that Mr. Thorpe is bringing up this weird reputation stuff of the Tilneys and how bad their reputation is here and i also really do not like that they stop the carriage to have this conversation because in the book it's made abundantly clear that catherine keeps begging him to stop he refuses he keeps going so she's it's not safe for her to jump out of the carriage whereas right here he literally like went to like turned the corner and stopped the carriage she could get out and run back very easily they didn't go that far um, which is what in the book she's saying she wants to do. She wants to jump out of the carriage and go run back to the Tilneys. So the fact that he allows the opportunity by stopping the carriage and to have this conversation with her gives her the opportunity to jump out of the carriage. And I'm left questioning, well, why doesn't she just jump out of the carriage and run back to the Tilneys? Which is what she's in the book, what she says she wants to do. And the reason she can't is because he doesn't stop the carriage. And so I'm assuming for the movie purposes, they felt like the conversation that the carriage was too bouncy they weren't be they weren't able to have this full conversation while the carriage is moving but 
they should have done a voiceover or something to make it work because it doesn't make sense to me that they stop the carriage here. Like that pulls me out of the moment. I don't like that the carriage has stopped to have this conversation. Now, them having a conversation about whether or not the Tilneys have this weird reputation or like something weird about the mother's death, all this stuff. That also, I'm not sure why that needs to be here. I don't think we need that. Catherine's imagination is enough to get us there. Once we're at the Abbey, I don't think she needs this stuff like hinted at beforehand. All this kind of foreshadowing about the mother's death from the Thorpes is unnecessary in my view and kind of brings it up too soon. I don't like that they bring it up this soon. I don't think we need to know this. I don't think that part of the conversation needs to happen. And I don't think that Thorpe would have admitted, A, that he lied. And I don't... And we know for sure from the book, he's not supposed to stop the carriage because now why is Catherine staying in the carriage? So this scene so far is one of the worst for me, like the least making sense with the story from the book. I don't get what's happening here. Although to get out of the Debbie Downer boat, I would like to remind you all that I am very happy they have the scene where she is convinced into doing the wrong thing because it is a big part of... I think what makes the story work as far as the Tilneys and the Thorpes and her understanding what the Thorpes are versus what the Tilneys are. So I do think it's important that we have this carriage scene. I just, it's all working for me until they stop and have this weird conversation about the Tilneys. I don't, I don't get why we needed that. They should have just kept to the, oh, please stop. And I need to get out. And Mr. Thorpe saying, oh, I can't hear you. And right. Keeping the horses going, which is what happens in the book. If they had just done that with this scene, it would have been perfect. But no, they had to add this weird stuff about the Tilney's mother. I don't like it. And we also have Mr. Thorpe apologizing and saying he's truly sorry if I've caused you any distress. Which, no, he wouldn't do that. And he didn't do that. Like, that... Not right. Not true to Mr. Thorpe. As well, but they do bring in this whole, like, not everyone is as truthful as you and I by Mr. Thorpe, which is a laughable thing for Mr. Thorpe to say because he's not truthful. So, I mean, that's kind of funny to hear Mr. Thorpe say something about that. And it kind of matches up with that what Isabella said, that we are your true friends. We keep our promises. So that kind of matches, but meh. meh. It's all very meh. All right, and we are going to break here because I talked for a very long time this episode so I'm going to break it up into at least two possibly three but we'll get more on this movie next time I'll see you next time for part two bye